listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. If I haven't had a chance to meet you just yet, my name is Dan DeBell. I'm the lead pastor here at Abide Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. Man, it's, uh, there's something special about worshiping uh, in a room, uh, packed, a room uh, full of people is what I'm trying to say. It's, it's nice to worship in a room full of people. It's a little glimpse of heaven, what heaven's going to be like. A lot of people worshiping uh, and raising up one name, the name above any other name. Man, I'm so excited that you're joining us today. You know, today we are talking about stewarding the kingdom. And you may be in here right now and you may be saying, what, what does that mean? That's a great question because we're going to talk about it today. We're going to dive into it a little bit. And specifically, we're going to be talking about a parable in the scriptures. A parable is basically a story that Jesus would tell. He would tell this story, uh, these parables, to help communicate a point or a principle, a spiritual principle to people. And by doing so, he would say the kingdom of God is like this. And he would explain and share this story that we call a parable. And it would be just be an easier way for people to get a hold of it and then apply it to their lives. And so though we're going to look at a parable today, the parable of the talents, and we may say, well, Jesus was saying that to a certain group of people. The good news is God's word, though it may be written to a certain group of people at one time, it is very um, applicable to us today. We can take it and we can apply it to our lives and we can learn from it and we can use it. And so uh, before we do anything, go any farther, let's read the the words of Jesus together. I'm going to read this this passage, and then we're going to break it down and we're going to talk about it. I'm going to read from Matthew 25, so if you have your Bible with you, you can get that out. If not, I'll have the the words up here on the screen for you. Let me read this passage. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, the parable of the talents. Jesus says this, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and he delivered his goods to them. And to one, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents, he went and he traded with them, and he made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one, he went and he dug in the ground, and he hid his Lord's money. That's a little bit of an interesting way to go about it, huh? Let me go dig a hole over here after I'm getting a lump sum of money. Let's continue. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants, he came and he settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents, and he came and he brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents, and look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received the two talents, he came and he said, Lord, You delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him once again, well done, good and faithful servant. You were, you've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And this is where it gets interesting. Then he who had received the one talent, he, he came and he said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. He didn't even dig it up. This, this, this sorry guy right here, right? He didn't even dig it up. He said, over there is where I, I hid it. You can go dig it up yourself. There you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and he said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, Take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and 
he will have abundance. Everyone say that for me. Say abundance. Come on, say it like you mean it. Abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Every time I read that, weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't know about you, but I want no part of that. Amen? Like, I want no part of that. So, if I see that, how do I stay away from that? How do I not be in the weeping and gnashing of teeth? Well, let's talk about it for a second. The first thing we need to realize, if you're taking notes today, is this. You can fill in the blank. A talent is extremely valuable. How does this apply to us? A talent, we have to understand, is extremely valuable. Jesus is trying to get our attention in this parable right here. Jesus, in this parable, Jesus represents the master. He's the Lord of the servants that has has given, and now he has gone away for a little bit. Jesus is the master. We are the servants. Jesus has left, right? He's not here physically. He's not here, uh, you know, physically in the flesh. He has gone away, but what? He will return any day now, right? This afternoon, next week, two years from now. 30 years from now, he's coming back. And so what do we have to do? We better be prepared. One of the things I've realized as we come into this year and as we've, we've gone through the past couple years, I begin to realize more and more as we look at our culture and the things that are shifting so fast, I begin to realize how important it is for the church, the capital C church, not just our church, but the, the church in general, to begin to rise up. The church not to stay static or to be complacent or to be lukewarm. Because our world doesn't need a static, lukewarm church. Our world needs a church that's willing to say, this is the real Jesus. This is what he looks like. This is what he says. And we believe it no matter what culture is trying to push on our kids. We have to look at truth and say, hold up, that's not right. This is truth and that's not. We have to have a church that's willing to stand up. Here's the first thing I'm trying to show you is this. A talent is extremely valuable. When Jesus starts this out, He's, he's talking not to a group of millionaires, but he's talking to a bunch of people that are kind of your average, your average Joe, if you will. A talent was a measure of weight. It wasn't like uh, I can run really fast. Not that kind of talent. It was a measure of weight, usually in silver coinage. One talent, many, many people believe one talent would, would be up to nearly 16 years of wages for your common laborer. One talent. So think about what the five-talent guy is receiving Nearly 80 years of wages. I don't know about you, but I'd take 16 years of wages in one lump sum, right? Like, that'd be pretty awesome. Five talents to one, one servant was a big deal. And so when Jesus comes out the gate and he says, there's this Lord, and he's giving out these talents, and he starts with five talents, it's going to get some people's attention. The people like you and me would say, man, that's a lot of money. That's a lot to entrust something to someone, But why such a high price, especially when talking to the common folks? He's trying to get their attention because this, the parable of the talents is not not about us stewarding just our money, though we need to do that. It's not about us stewarding the gifts that God's given me, though I need to do that. The parable of the talents is about us stewarding the kingdom of God that we receive access to at salvation. So Jesus is saying, and he's showing us, and we're going to dive into this. Bear with me. I'm going to do a little teaching, and then we'll talk into how this applies to us. He's showing us, look, I, when you come into my family, you become one of my servants, my disciples. You follow me and do what I ask you to do. I'm going to entrust you with something that is incredibly valuable, that is so valuable it should get your attention. But it's never meant to stay with I gave it to you, and you can just kind of sit on it and do nothing. 
His desire is, I want to give this to you, and I want you to multiply it while I'm away. So when I come back, I can see what did you do with what you were given. Jesus is delegating to us as believers the responsibility to steward his kingdom for him while he's away. He's gone away, but he's going to come back. Sooner or later, he's going to be here. Someday he's going to come back, and he's going to what? Claim what is rightfully his. And when Jesus comes back and I see him face to face, he's going to ask me, what did you do with what you were given? When you received salvation, you had this moment and this, this, this access to the kingdom of God. And that's why Jesus says when you pray, pray like this. What does he say? That God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, give us this day our daily bread. He says, we want to pray that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning, well, you have access to the kingdom all of my perfect will for your life, would you pray that my perfect will would be done here? You have access to healing. You have access to supernatural wisdom. You have access to all of these different things. And he's going to ask, did you ask, access it? Did you go for it? Did you invest it? Did you use it? Did you multiply it? Or did you waste it? And my fear is that, and many people that I've talked to over the years, is that it's easy in America to get comfortable with the kingdom of God. And it was never meant to be that way. That I get so comfortable that I'm satisfied with just what I have, and as long as I'm good and I have some type of passport to heaven someday. Like Jesus didn't die for us to get a passport into heaven someday, right? He died so that we could get heaven into us Today, that's the point. And so now I can walk and live, love, and look like him everywhere that I go. Someday he's going to ask, what did you do with what you were given? Did you multiply it or did you waste it? So let's make this personal. Point number two is a question here. What is my ability? What is my ability? Because if this, if this parable truly applies to me, at some point it's got to get personal to me, right? It's not just about, well, that one talent guy, he's the worst, but we better ask ourselves, am I the one talent guy? <laughs> Which one am I truly and honestly in this story? Jesus, in Matthew 25, he says this, 25, 15, and to one he gave five, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability. Each according to his own ability. That word ability is pretty simple. Capacity, capability, or potential. He looked at his servants and he said, I, I've seen what you've done. And so because of that, I know your potential. I've seen where you are. I've seen how you've handled things in the past. And because of that, I know your capacity for the future. And based on that, he gives out what? His, these talents, this measure of, of silver coinage to these, these servants. And I would say this. Many times we think to ourselves, well, we read this. And I know growing up, I read this and I thought of it and I applied it to like leadership and different things like that. And I would think, man, it might, you know, some guys are just called to be different places, but I would encourage us to look at it a little bit of a different way and say that we can increase our ability. I may start as a one-talent servant, but God's desire is that I would steward so well that I would become a five-talent servant. He doesn't want to keep me at this bottom level down here. And I would say this, today's ability, what God entrusts me with today, today's ability is determined by yesterday's stewardship. What can God trust me with today? 
Well, it's going to be based on what I did for him in walking in agreement to his word yesterday. You see, many times we want to do these, these great things for the kingdom of God, but we haven't obeyed the simple things that he asked me to do yesterday. God, and here's the thing, it doesn't, it's not just anything that's always super major. Many times it's this, God is presenting you with an opportunity to have a conversation with a coworker that you've never had a conversation with before, but he's giving you a chance to point them to Jesus, but what did I do? I avoided the conversation and I went the other way. And someday I'm going to get to heaven and he's going to show me my life in return. And he's going to say, you remember this time when so-and-so came into your office, they met you on the job site and you guys were talking? I brought them to you because you knew me. And I brought them to you so that you would point them to me. But you didn't. That's stewarding the kingdom. I want to do something great for God, but did I, did I steward these small moments well? Did I steward the, the potential of yesterday well when God said, I brought you into this moment because you can do something and I can do something through you to drastically change this relationship, to heal that person, to give a word of encouragement to that person who needs it, who's battling depression. I brought you here to be used by me. But many times our pride says, don't take a step you don't want to be that, that fanatic guy. You don't want to be too extreme. You don't want to be the weird Christian guy at work. But God's saying, I need you to be the weird Christian guy at work so I can use you. <laughs> doesn't give me a, a, an excuse to be flaky, but it gives me a challenge to live like Jesus and to do what he would do. I'm getting all over in my notes here, but here's what I'm saying. You can increase your ability because Jesus said, what, if you're faithful with little, you can be faithful with much. Let's look at Luke 16.10. He says this, If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you, will be, you won't be honest with the greater responsibilities. I want to do something great for God. I want to make sure that I'm doing, you know, doing my part. I want to share the gospel. But am I doing it in the little unseen moments? Am I stewarding the little moments well so God can give me a bigger opportunity, a bigger moment. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 25, 29, in the parable, he says, for everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have in abundance. But for him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. If we read that just by itself, that verse sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? Like we being real? Like it's just like, golly, Jesus, whoa, let's calm down here. What do you mean you're going to take away from somebody that doesn't even have stuff? He's not talking about just in general. He's talking about in stewardship. He says, if you have, that means you've, steward, you've stewarded well. And if you have, then guess what? I'm going to give you abundance because I know what you're going to do with what I give you. I know you're going to do good things and steward well with the big things because you did it with the small things. In this little relationship, in this conversation, whatever it may be, Jesus loves to reward obedience. He loves to reward obedience. And like I said, many times we want to do great things for the kingdom of God, but we haven't been faithful in the little assignments God has given us. Great impact in the kingdom begins with faithful stewardship through simple obedience. Not complex, not hard obedience, simple obedience. Not anything that's, that's so extreme, I can't even, there's, there's no way I could physically do it. Simple obedience opens the door for a greater impact. I would say this, every believer, whenever I put my faith in Jesus, I receive this one talent. 
It's my salvation. It's my access to the kingdom. And I would say it like this. Every believer, we start out as a, a one-talent convert, right? I'm a convert. I'm going to convert to this. But the goal is to grow into a five-talent servant. I may start here, but the goal is never to stay here. And in, in America, too many times, we think it's okay to stay here because the church becomes easy and it becomes comfortable. And it's okay for me not to be planted anywhere, not to serve any, anyone or anywhere. And I go through my life, and I'm just, I'm surviving. God doesn't want you to survive this life. He wants you to thrive and to be used by him and to multiply his kingdom by stewarding it well. God doesn't expect you to go out tomorrow and to reach one million people for the kingdom. That's not his goal for you this week. Now, if that happens, that's a bonus, okay? I mean, come on, he's not going to turn that down. But that's not his expectation for you. What's his expectation? His expectation is he does expect you to steward every interaction wisely this week. In that interaction at work, in that interaction with the, the cash register worker at Walmart, in that interaction with my waitress who didn't serve our table very good, did I steward the kingdom in that interaction? Did I look like Jesus to her as my waitress who was really doing a horrible job and didn't refill my sweet tea when I needed some more? Or did I leave her no tip and just continue the stereotype of, man, them Christians, they don't tip very good. Those Christians are the worst. I don't want their table. Come on, somebody. I'm being real today. He does expect you to steward every action and every word that comes out of your mouth this week. How did I, when I spoke to my spouse that way, when I spoke to my kids that way, was I stewarding the kingdom well? Because in everything I do as a disciple of Jesus and as a believer, it has the potential, every action, every word, every interaction, it has the, the potential to either point people to Jesus and bring them closer, or it has the potential to point people in the opposite away, uh, direction and point them away and say, yeah. Those Christians, they're just out to judge me. They're just out to tear me down. They're just out to point out all my flaws. Simple acts of obedience. So the question is this. Have my attitudes, my words, and my actions been stewarding the kingdom well lately? If I could watch it back on a big movie screen, right? If I could watch my past week on a movie screen, did I steward it well? Or did I waste opportunity after opportunity after opportunity and yet wonder, why isn't God giving me more when I haven't been faithful in the little? You guys doing okay? It's awfully quiet in here. Here we go. Point number three is this. It's going it's to get better here. It gets even better. To steward well, I got to know the master well. To steward well, I must know the master well. You see, the parable of talents is actually very encouraging because Jesus is showing us how do I live in abundance? Not just I'm rolling around in piles of money all day. How do I live in abundance in every area of my life, in wisdom and in peace and in love and in joy? How do I have abundance in my life? It's through proper stewardship. And he says, here's how you're going to know how to steward. Think about it. How did the five-talent servant know how to make a 100% profit? He knew the master's heart. It's that simple. He knew I've been entrusted with this massive amount of money. And if I take this, I know that the master, I've spent time with him, I've watched him work, I've listened to him, I've asked him questions, I've gained knowledge from him, and so I know he would invest here, he'd go and have that conversation with this person over here, I know that he would give to that person right here, I know that he would do this over here. Not, I think I should do this, the master would do this, so I'm going to do that. 
And what resulted? 100% profit. 100%. However, the one talent, what did he do? He lived in fear, only concerned with himself and making sure he wasn't going to get in trouble with the master. I'm just going to bury it. I'm not going to lose it, you know, so he can't be mad at me. And then I'm just going to give it back. And as long as I give it back, I'm going to be good. Right? But in trying not to be in trouble with the master, what did it result in? Getting in trouble with the master. Here, if you hear this today, if you don't hear anything else, this is the fundamental difference between religion and relationship. This is the fundamental difference between religion and relationship. Relationship says this, I know the master's heart because I've spent time with him. I've been with him. I've asked him questions. I've sought his wisdom. And because I've been with him personally and intimately behind closed doors, I know that I can go out and I can act just like him in confidence. And religion says this, as long as I follow these rules and I don't do anything too bad, and as long as I live it a certain way so that I can get to heaven, I can get to heaven someday, I'll be fine. But in all trying to follow the rules, what do I do? I continue to follow the rules and I break the rules and I just have this vicious cycle of not trying not to upset God. But I can't live up to some fake standard of God that I'm trying to live up to. When God's called us not to Religion, that's one talent thinking. <laughs> I'm going to be safe and bury it over here. He says, I want you to be a five-talent servant who will take my kingdom and multiply it because you've been with me. He's not up there saying, now, if you follow this to-do list and this checklist right here, you can make a big profit out of the kingdom. You can multiply it well. He's saying, look, will you just be with me? Would you spend time with me every day? Would you, would you ask me questions? Would you get in my word? And if you would do that, that's why Jesus says, my burden is light. I don't have a list for you, of rules for you to follow. You will live it when you've been with me. Right? Isn't that happened for all of you that's, that are married? Isn't that happened when you guys got married? All of a sudden, you guys both, you got all these inside jokes. And all of a sudden, now you're like, you act a lot alike. When before, you may have different personalities, but still, you act a lot alike. You ever had a really good friend? And the closer you get with them, the more you begin to act alike. And people will say, man, you're just like so-and-so. Yeah, because we spend so much time together, and it's no way, it's no difference spiritually. The more time I spend with Jesus, in his word, seeking his face, asking questions, what happens? I begin to act like him. And it's not a struggle, it's natural. It's like a sponge. If I take a sponge and I put it in a bucket of water and I soak up all the water and I bring the sponge out, the sponge is still the sponge, but what is it full of? It's full of water. And whenever I go and I squeeze that sponge, what comes out? More sponge? No, water. This is the picture of the Christian life. We are, we are created to be so full of the living water, which is Jesus, that when life squeezes you, you don't come out. Jesus comes out. No matter where I walk into, the job site, if I'm going to class, doesn't matter where I'm going, if I'm at home being a single mother, whatever it is, when I get squeezed, more Jesus comes out. But what did I have to do first before Jesus could come out? I got to immerse myself in him. Then he can come out. Amen? Too many times we fall into that trap of the one talent thinking, and we call ourselves believers and disciples, but we're just surviving this life, and we're sleeping through the best years of our Christian life. We got one shot here, people, right? I got one life. And at the end of my life, I'm going to have to look back, and Jesus is going to look back, and I got to say, did I do it? To his glory, or did I have a great plan for me and I, I think it worked out okay because I had a big paycheck? Or did he say, go here, 
And if you follow me and if you steward my kingdom, I will help you live in abundance. But too many times, if we're not careful, we take that one talent and we bury it in the ground and we live our life. I was talking to my brother years ago, my oldest brother Ben, and he said this. He said, I got to a point in my life where I realized that the guys that I worked with, if I told them I was a Christian, that they would actually be surprised. But I still considered myself a Christian. And that's for my brother Ben when he said, I got to make a change. Because what had he done? He took his one talent and he buried it in the ground. And if someone were to ask him, hey, do you believe in Jesus? Do you go to church? Are you a Christian? He could go and he knew where it was. He could dig it out and pull it out of the ground and say, yeah, I got my, I got my Christianity. I got my passport to heaven. But he knew that's not how God's called me to live. If my coworkers asked me if I was a Christian, would they be surprised at my answer? That's why the writer of Hebrews in, in, in chapter 5, he says this. He said, you've been believers so long that you ought to be teaching others by now. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food, though, is, those, is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Time and time again, this is just a glimpse. What is God showing us? You may have, you may have come into my family at a certain level, but man, I got more for you if you'll be willing to go to the next level with me. You're not meant to stay here eating spiritual milk for the rest of your life. He says, I got big boy meals for you if you want them. I got to do my part. The spiritually mature, the five-talent servant, they serve others with their gifts and their abilities entrusted to them, and it results in greater opportunity and greater blessing. However, the opposite is true. The spiritually immature the one-talent convert, they neglect the gifts and abilities given to them. And it results not only in the loss of opportunity, but also in the loss of blessing that was entrusted to them. That's why Jesus said, those that have will receive more. Those who don't have will take it from. Where am I living my life? Several years ago is when I got this insight into the parable of the talents. And as I did, the more I dug into it, the more I realized, man, there's a... It's a healthy responsibility that God's given me. It's not a burden, but I have a responsibility to steward him well. But here's the good news, and the last point for today is this. Stewarding is simple. Stewarding is simple. Too many times we overcomplicate stewardship because we're trying to do grand things, but again, we miss the little things. The Christian life is not about what I can get. It's about what I can give. It's not about what I can get. It's about what I can give. And when I make that switch, I'm truly maturing in the Lord. That's why we say here at Abide Church, we say that spiritual contributors, people that, that serve and volunteer and are plugged in here, man, they get the most out of church. Why? Because they're showing up with the attitude of Jesus. They're showing up saying, who can I serve today? That should be our attitude every day. But specifically on Sunday, that's how they, they show up. The one talent convert has all the excuses. Well, I can't preach a message, or I'm not gifted to, to teach a kid's class. I can't lead worship. But Jesus, he destroys all the excuses. We're gonna get to this passage in just a second. Years ago, when I, I worked for a time at Chick-fil-A, the Lord's Chicken, come on somebody. I worked there and uh, 
And um, I had this, this, the owner operator, my boss, he was a kingdom minded man, Lance. Probably one of the best bosses I've ever had because he truly cared. He stewarded the kingdom well. And you want to know how he got there? Early on when he was in college, he said, man, I feel like I'm called to ministry. He was working at Chick-fil-A back then and he had this moment. He was in the cow suit, the cow costume at Chick-fil-A, sweating. And he's like, is this really what I want to do with the rest of my life? And his answer was yes. He was that committed to the brand. But he had this moment where he's like, man, I feel like I'm called to ministry though. He's torn in between. And he goes to one of his pastors and his pastor said this, and I think this is so good. This impacted me greatly. Don't confuse a call to ministry with a call to minister. Don't confuse a call to ministry with a call to minister. Because there are people that are called to full-time ministry and God's graced them to do that. But guess what? Everyone's called to minister every day. That's stewarding the kingdom. Too many times I've seen guys get, the, they get, they get this wrong. They, they have that moment that Lance was in years ago and they make the jump. God's called them to be in a certain uh, career and be in a certain place where he can use them. But they make the jump to ministry and it goes horrible and they just feel like they miss God and they crash and burn and they get burnt out and all this stuff happens. But I think many times it's that moment, it's that pivotal moment of God's calling me to live a life of ministering to others. But it doesn't always necessarily mean I have to be in full-time ministry. It doesn't mean God's, he might be calling you to start a ministry, but if more so he's saying minister daily. Here's why stewarding is simple, and I'll wrap up with this. In Matthew 25, the rest of Matthew 25, after this parable, Jesus talks about the end of the age, and he talks about gathering everyone together, and the righteous and the unrighteous, and he has these people that he gathers at his right hand. At the end of the age, he says this to him, Matthew 25, in verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, for I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you took me, and I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. All of these simple acts of kindness, right? And then the, the righteous people on his right hand will say, Jesus, when did we see you sick? When did we see you in need? When did we see you thirsty and bring you a cup to drink? And here's his response in verse 40. And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. When you saw the need, and you said, I can meet that need. And did you get, did you get, you know, the local news come out and record you paying for that person's gas? No, they didn't. Because it's not about that. But you saw the need and you said, I can meet that need. I can serve that person. I can pray for the sick. I can give to someone in need. I can encourage that person who's been going through a tough time. When I choose to serve others in the little, I'm serving Jesus. And when I'm faithful in the little, he says, I will give you greater opportunities that you cannot even imagine. When we serve others, we are stewarding the kingdom of God correctly. And proper stewardship always leads to abundance in every area of my life. So the question is, do I need breakthrough in my life? Do you need breakthrough in your life? Is there an area where you're just getting hung up and you feel like something's, ask yourself the question, how have I been stewarding lately? Have I truly been stewarding well? 
Have I been stewarding at the five-talent servant level, or have I been just been kind of hiding and hanging around and surviving this life with my one talent, barely hanging on to the kingdom of God when I have access to all of it? As I wrap up, here's a great example of this. This past week, my wife Leslie got a call from a family. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> it's personal to me, so I gotta get, I gotta, let me get through this. Uh, my, we got a call from a family that was a family in need. And these grandparents, I think they were grandparents, they went and they picked up their grandson who his parents had just been taken to jail because he was involved in drugs and all kinds of unlivable conditions at his house. And this kid was the same age as my son, Gavin. He's seven years old. And my wife, Leslie, tells Gavin about this. And uh, the grandparents didn't want to go back to the house because there's bed bugs and there's all kinds of filth. They didn't want to go get his stuff and bring it to their house and you know transfer a lot of stuff. And so they were just in need. They just needed some essentials. And my son, Gavin, he, uh, he went through his toys and he bagged up some toys and he loves to draw. And so he drew a picture. And then our church got to use some of our church funds to go and to buy this kid some new clothes and some fresh underwear and basics. But to see my son who follows Jesus, go and what? Preach a message to a million people? Give when the need came up. He said, I got some toys. I can put these in a Ziploc bag for that guy. I can draw him a picture to encourage him. That is stewarding the kingdom. That's what Matthew 25 is all about. Let me leave you, Eddie, I'm gonna skip to the reflection questions. Let me go to the reflection questions. These are on your note-taking card. Have my attitudes, words, and actions been stewarding the God's kingdom well lately? If I reflect, have I been living like a one-talent convert or a five-talent servant? Where am I? What's my ability? Let's identify that. How much time am I spending with my master? Because if I don't know him well, I cannot steward well. And the action step is simple. For those of you that grew up in the 90s, you know what I'm talking about. Remember those bracelets? What would Jesus do? That's still good. That's, that's good preaching today, all right? In every conversation, in every interaction, in every time when I'm tempted to lose it and to be mad at someone and to do whatever, what would Jesus do here? What would my master do? Let me steward well and watch what he will do in my life. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com. 